Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show. Giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR. 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR. I'm Serena and I'm on the panel today interviewing Lauren and James. Our guest today is Ayla Lyon, consumer consultant in a regional area. Okay, hi, this is, uh, excuse me, this is James and um, can you please introduce yourself for our listeners and tell us a little bit about your background in uh, rural mental health? Absolutely. So um, my name's Ayla and I've been uh, working as a consumer consultant for the past eight years um, down in southwest of Victoria. Um, I guess my my background, I suppose I've um, experienced mental illness from my teenage years right through into my 40s now and um, I've been lucky enough to, uh, I guess, have a, have a role or have a job which is put me in contact with a lot of other people that um, have challenges or, or suffer from emotional distress uh, and I've been really privileged to uh, be able to learn from those people and, and hopefully in some way support those people. Great. So um, what do you believe people's attitudes are to mental health in the rural community? I think it's a very wide range. I think, you know, with so many people now, um, experiencing these types of things, I think acceptance is growing and I, and I think the stigma and discrimination is getting less. Um, it's a very slow process, so sometimes it gets a little bit frustrating as, as how that moves. I, I think, you know, there's still some, some stigma and some discrimination out there, obviously, but I think we're, you know, I think we're breaking down those barriers. I think that we're getting to a stage where you know, nearly everyone is, is touched in some way um, by mental health issues. Uh, and so I, I think that and, and having more consumer workers out there, I suppose, as well, and radio stations such as yourself, uh, I think that's slowly you know, breaking down the stigma and uh, hopefully, you know, eventually we'll, we'll live in a world where it's not necessarily a big issue. Yeah, so that's really good. Keeping that in mind, what are people's attitudes to the rural healthcare system? Okay, I guess it depends whose attitudes. I, I think um, generally mental health services in, in rural areas can be quite tricky for people to deal with and I think there's also a lot of fear, um, particularly if somebody's experienced something for the first time and they're trying to you know, get some help or some support with that. Um, it's it's still quite a difficult process and I guess, you know, inpatient units are, are still referred to, you know, and I think down here at Ward 9, but, um, yeah, look, I, I think people find it difficult initially to engage. Um, 
And I think people have a, a broad range of experiences when they do actually engage. Uh, so we do have some really fantastic results where um, you know people come along and, and they get the health, help that they need and um, they're you know very firmly, I guess, in the driver's seat of, of their own care and the, the management of, of their own issues. And then I suppose we've got that right through to the opposite extreme, perhaps, um, particularly if you consider compulsory treatment orders and things like those, where perhaps the experience um, for, for people is less positive uh, and you know, that can be a really disempowering experience for a lot of people. Uh, I think with with the you know with the recovery um, focus coming along that there's a long way to go to to change the culture in terms of making sure that someone's in charge of their own life and uh, best equipped to go out and live their life and and have a fantastic life um, because the message these days is different you know I I got the message you know don't count on ever working again. And I think, you know, those messages have changed these days and, and we're realising that people can do um, whatever they want to with or, or without the, um, uh, you know, with, with or without symptoms, basically. Um, I, I think, as I was saying before, there's a, a really broad range of attitudes towards, um, towards systems and, and particularly rural mental health systems. Obviously, when you're talking about rural places, you're talking about small towns where everybody knows each other. And so that can be a real barrier sometimes for seeking help because people are often concerned about what other people are thinking. And um, the bush telegraph, so to speak, moves pretty quickly. Um, so I think, you know, that there are issues um, rurally around, you know, being recognised, but also there can be real isolation um, in some of these areas as well. Great, and it was uh, great to hear about some of the issues, but also to hear about um, the positive message that there are there is some hope in um, these communities. And just to further, Absolutely. great, and just to further that, uh, what are some differences and discrepancies between rural mental health care and metro mental health care? That's a really interesting question. Um, I've sort of been speaking to to colleagues from the metro area and the rural area, and and just wondering if they are that far apart. I, I suppose. I would consider probably some of the biggest differences to be in choice of service. So, um, in our regional areas, there's you know there's only one clinical service. There's not very many um, community support services in our area. So, um, I believe you'd have the choice of two. Uh, and I guess the eligibility criteria to be of you know, to be able to come and use those services is quite tight as well. So choice, I think, is a big thing that, that perhaps, you know, rural people don't have as much choice perhaps as, as their, their metro counterparts. Um, I guess attracting um, clinical staff to regional areas can be really difficult as well. Uh, so, for example, um, I guess particularly psychiatrists so I would imagine in the metro areas that you've got a much larger private system as well as public systems so whereas regionally we would struggle to you know to, to recruit um, psychiatrists and, and other professionals uh, in in the public mental health system but we also struggle in the private system so that um, a lot of the time people don't have a choice 
to give you an idea of, of how tricky it can be, um, we currently have no private psychiatrists in the region at all. Uh, I do believe we're about to, to get a, a visiting private psychiatrist to, to one of the areas, but um, it, it's a huge disadvantage if, if you don't have a choice, I think, um, particularly if you consider that you know, it's just human nature that we don't necessarily get along with everyone. And in a perfect world, you'd want uh, a good fit between the person seeking help and, and the person supporting them. And that's not always possible out here. So that, that can be um, really tricky. Based on that, um, what do you believe could be done to improve the standards of rural healthcare in relation to mental health? Because obviously you can't just go and employ more psychiatrists and stuff if they're not willing to you know, give, right. up, give up their metro jobs or things like that. So what do you think can be done? Very true. Well, I, I guess, I mean, people will say I'm biased, but I'm a, a very, very big fan of consumer workforce and peer workers. Um, I actually think that there's a lot that can be done with the peer workforce and the community um, to prevent people um, becoming unwell in the first place or at least to... Uh, help them to stay well, um, perhaps once they've had a, an initial period of unwellness. Um, a lot of it is is about you know social isolation and perhaps not having things to do or, or not having friends to go out with. Uh, I think maybe you know the answer might lie in in the peer workforce, which I think is is going to explode out here uh, eventually. Um, so I think that that's one way of improving these these real social um, issues that that affect everyone, but obviously particularly play into people with mental health issues or, or emotional distress. Yeah. So yeah. apart from peer groups, because obviously they work quite well in a metro area where a consumer has a choice to what peer groups uh -huh. sort of work for them. Is there anything in particular? or anything else that you've noticed in metro areas that should be implemented into rural healthcare? That's a really good question. Uh, I guess I don't have a lot of experience of, of metro areas. I, I think probably the culture change from um, you know, perhaps the sort of dominant medical model to uh, a more holistic um, sort of treatment where, where people can choose from a whole range of you know, therapies or, or strategies to, to manage their mental health. Um, so I think, you know, I think we've all got a, a fair way to go in terms of um, making sure that a, a person has a choice and, and is able to engage in whatever way they, you know, they, they feel will be most useful. Great, and I think um, yeah, that that opportunity to choose someone you get along with um, can be very important. And uh, just next, um, can you speak? Uh, we've heard that there might be an increased suicide rate in rural areas, and mm -hmm. uh, of course, we've all heard about substance abuse, um, in particular ice usage, or you know, or any substance or alcohol. Could you speak uh, a little bit about that? Sure. Um... I think, you know, I believe the, the rates of suicide are higher. Again, I, I would point towards the kind of isolation that can occur out here. Um, perhaps also the difficulties sometimes for, for those making a living from the land too. Um, 
sorry, what was the second part of, of the question? Uh, the, the second part referred to substance abuse and, and just in the media yes. um, with ice usage yeah. and uh, or other substances and, and it, yeah. Sure, sure. So I, I guess, look, substance use is high, um, particularly amongst people with mental health issues. That's not to say that everyone experiences the same. Look, we're certainly... Um, we certainly are affected by substance use and, and um, particularly, I guess, ice at the moment is uh, fairly prevalent. I, I don't know if it's more prevalent here than it is in the city, um, but it's certainly something uh, that makes life quite difficult, um, that makes it difficult for people to seek help, but also makes it difficult to, you know, I guess, try and work out what's going on for someone Um and, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about what comes first, you know, drug use or, or mental health issues. And, and that's kind of a chicken and egg argument, I guess. And, and I wouldn't like to speculate on that. I suppose we're seeing a, a lot of ice use, but I, I think perhaps that we're, you know, we're looking at it from the wrong angle. I think perhaps the question is why do um, so many people you know, in our communities feel the need to self-medicate um, with whatever substance that might be, whether legal or illegal. Um, so, look, it, it definitely is an issue. Uh, it's certainly... Um, you know, it, it certainly had had uh, implications for emergency departments um, particularly and, uh, and inpatient units as well. Um, quite how we tackle that issue. Um, I guess there's a, there's a lot of people um, in a lot of areas trying to work towards how we, how we manage that and, and how we might improve that situation. Well, that's uh, very important to uh, improve the situation, but as you said, um, it's not always apparent what's going on with the media. Um, they can sensationalise things and whether there's actually increased rates or not. Um, and just a next question um, is, in your area, can much be done uh, via technology, for example, appointments via Skype or e-therapy to enhance people's opportunities? Sure. Look, I, I think that's um, a much more viable option for perhaps the younger people um, who are very tech savvy, who, who know how to, you know, ha how to use a phone, how to use a computer. All those sorts of things. You'll pardon my ignorance because I'm a bit tech challenged at times. Um, but there is there is a lot that can be done. Um, there's a lot of great online stuff now which can be helpful. But I think also you know being able to talk online to to other people is a, is a fantastic thing. I guess um, I would love to see some more support around um, educating people so they know how to use that kind of technology. Um, I suppose the other thing that, that gets used out here or, or is in, is in, uh, I guess is in its infancy in a sense um, is uh, telepsychiatry, I guess. So given that we have such small numbers of available psychiatrists and such a wide um, area to cover, um, there is the consideration of using telepsychiatry, um, which can be very, very useful. Um, it can be difficult as well, so it's not something that I would personally recommend for somebody, you know, initially seeing someone. Um, but then again, if it's if it's a choice between no treatment and some 
treatment, then, you know, obviously that's very important. I personally don't think you can beat, um, you know, human to human, face-to-face contact and speaking directly to another person. Uh, I think that's really key. But I do see, um, you know, the potential of, of telepsychiatry, particularly with perhaps people that um, already have a good relationship with you know, a psychiatrist or a clinician and are comfortable using that technology at the time they're unwell. In other cases, it's clearly not a good idea. Um, obviously, it depends on the circumstances. But I would say if that if that process is going to, you know, really affect someone and, and make them more, you know, more distressed, then, then that would, would seem to indicate that we wouldn't use that. But, you know, I, I guess ultimately I see a lot of, benefits in people staying connected over the uh, over the internet and that kind of thing and potentially you know telepsychiatry is is certainly better than than waiting and, and having a condition deteriorate yeah so following on from the whole idea of face-to-face communication you mentioned before your support for peer run groups does your community have any involvement programs for individuals with mental illnesses or even for their friends and family Look, there are a variety of of, um, of things around. I think um, particularly you guys will probably be aware of the Wellways suites um, through that, that my fellowship have developed with consumers and carers. Um, I think those work uh, particularly well, and and those are the kind of groups that we can set up in you know in smaller places or at least in a centre that someone's able to you know um, to get to. I think those kinds of courses like, like Building the Future and My Recovery are really key uh, and I'd like to see a lot more of that happening. Um, there, look, there are efforts uh, around the place, um, but I think we have a long way to go possibly in, in that area. What do you think is working effectively or what do you like about the rural mental health care system? Well, I, yeah, that, that's a really good question. I... Yeah, that, that's a really tricky one. Sorry, I'm just going to think about that for a second. Uh-huh. I, I guess for me, I, I really enjoy working rurally in that um, I get to meet a lot of people and and potentially see them quite a few times. So there is that possibility of, of making relationships. I guess, you know, that idea that I was talking about, everybody knows what's going on in a country town and there are less people and you can be very visible... While that can be, um, you know, not a good thing, it can also be a great thing. So I, I think things that work well, um, potentially in a rural setting, are that you may get the opportunity to actually um, see people again, and that there's not necessarily an anonymity that people can fall back into. So that, in a sense, you know, once someone is socially connected, perhaps it's a little bit easier to remain that way. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what's particularly effective uh, about rural mental health care. I think we, we do have a long way to go, um, but then, you know, I don't think that's a particularly rural issue um, rather than a metro one. So I, I think, you know, we've got the makings of something really, really good. I, I think that, um, you know, potentially we can use our, our smaller communities to um, perhaps more uh, readily educate everyone about 
you know, issues and and how to cope and how to deal with it and and how to talk to people. Um, so I suppose that that's you know um, potentially a, a really good thing. Um, but I think we've got some way to go in in terms of recognising somebody uh, as a person and making sure that you know that, that there is self determination. Um, so occasionally there tends to be this this thing where you, this attitude of, of um, doing something good for someone um, or making a choice for someone because it's considered the right decision. I guess what I would like to see more of is, uh, you know, supporting a person and allowing them to make the decisions that are right for them. And those aren't necessarily going to be the same decisions as somebody who's perhaps treating them would make. I, I think also that there's um, a lot of room for improvement in our public mental health systems in terms of... Um, in terms of making sure that treatment's not coercive, in in terms of making sure that, you know, as I said before, you know, people determine for themselves what they want out of life and that people are supported and encouraged to do whatever the heck it is they would like to, to do, like any other person. So I think, you know, perhaps looking more at... Um, as I said earlier, just just finding a whole different way, you know, a whole, including a lot of different approaches and, and different strategies, rather than, um, you know, just medication. I think um, to to continue along that road would be a really good way to go. Thank you, Ayla. We've been talking to Ayla Lyon about rural mental health. You can listen to podcasts of our show at brainwaves.org.au. Feel free to send us feedback or suggestions for shows via email at brainwaves at mifellowship.org. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in to 3CR next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists coming up next on 3CR. Goodbye from the team at Brainwaves. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.